1: Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to The Future of Entrepreneurship, of Prop G-Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Hi, it's Phoebe. We're trying something new. Two stories about the same family of wolves in Yellowstone. One is a love story and one is a crime story. For the crime story, check out episode 137 of Criminal. It's called Wolf 10. We've got a link in the show notes. Here's the love story. Okay. So here we are uh, in a very large truck. Probably unnecessary that um, I rented this big of a pickup truck. But uh, here we are. We are driving... Into Yellowstone, and there's no one here. Yellowstone was the first national park in the United States, established in 1872. Some say it was the first national park in the world. Ten years after it opened, the New York Times described it as an almost mystical wonderland. There are tons of mountains in front of us, and there is just no one in Yellowstone. It's November 20th and Yellowstone just seems absolutely deserted. At one point, Lauren Spore, the show's co-creator, and I just stopped the truck in the middle of the road to watch a moose slowly wander in front of us. You're gonna think I'm making this up, but a fox seemed to be running alongside the road with us for a while. At some point, we stopped pointing out all the bison elk and coyotes that we were seeing. There's only one road open through Yellowstone this time of year from the North Gate in Gardner, Montana across the top of Wyoming 50 miles to Cook City, Montana. We had rooms booked at the Cook City Super 8 and when we walked into the lobby the woman at the desk just stared at us and then said, Phoebe? She said she knew it was us because we were the only guests. It felt to me like that had been the case for the last month. There was snow and ice everywhere. We decided to try and find something to eat. We hadn't had cell phone service all day. We just gave up on it. It's an odd feeling, walking down the middle of a deserted road in a deserted town on the edge of this big wilderness. For dinner... We ate chips and some string cheese, and then we went to bed early. Not only because there was nothing to do, but because we had to wake up at 5 o'clock the next morning to meet a man named Rick McIntyre, who would take us to find the wolves he knows so well. I'm Phoebe Judge, and this is Love. Okay, it is 5.50 a.m., it is five degrees outside. He said the best time to do this is right as the sun's coming up, so... um, um, Lauren, will you hold those? Lauren's going to be our navigator. Rick McIntyre said we were welcome to come see him, but he wondered about the time of year we had picked. He said his town, Silvergate, had five residents in the winter, everything would be closed. He called me a few days before we arrived in Montana to talk about our coats. He wanted to know how thick they were. He also told me to bring hand and toe warmers, but I decided that was an unnecessary piece of advice. He told me to write down directions to his cabin with pen and paper, directions that included keeping our eyes out for the Grizzly Lodge and Log Cabin Cafe. This has to be it, right? Is this a driveway? Here's his little cabin. Oh, here he comes. Rick's cabin is a mile from the northeast gate of Yellowstone. He said it's helpful to live so close to the wolves because he watches them every single day. He's been watching them for decades.
2: Sometimes it's said that there are no two species that are so alike in social behavior as wild wolves and human beings and the proof of that is how well the domestic version of the wolf, the pet dog fits into a human family so wolves live in an extended family, they support themselves they rescue each other if they're in danger Um, they use teamwork to earn their living and raise their pups, and um, pretty much the same as early humans. So they're very, very similar in behavior, and that's why I'm especially fascinated with them.
0: He spent 42 years with the National Park Service, and now that he's retired, he still goes out most mornings before sunrise. He says that for many years now, he's basically operated on the schedule of a wolf. He sleeps when they sleep, and when they're active in the early morning and at dusk, he's there watching them. He rests in the afternoon in the same way that they do. We were there to follow Rick's lead. He told us to follow behind his car, but not too closely, because animals would likely be running across the road at that time of morning. But first, he said, we needed to stop to speak to a man in a Winnebago, we didn't ask questions. We just got back in the truck and waited for Rick. Do you think that's a wolf tracker on his what do you mean? top of his car? That antenna? Do you think it's a wolf tracker? What, what would that be connected to? I don't know. Does Rick seem to have crampons on the bottom of his shoes for the ice. I can't tell. What's a crampon? It's these little metal spokes. called a crampon? Yeah, crampon. And here we go. Okay. Rick's told us to keep him in sight at all times. We're following behind Rick's Honda CRV all-wheel drive. He has a wolf tracker on the top or what we're calling a wolf tracker. It's an antenna. Wolves were naturally present in Yellowstone when it was established in 1872. But by the early 20th century, the government decided that wolves weren't welcome anymore. They were seen as unsafe to visitors and unsafe to the moose and elk that the visitors were coming to see. So they set about a plan to get rid of them. Rangers, were issued rifles and told to hike into the park and kill all the wolves they could. In 1926, the last two wolves in Yellowstone were killed. We're entering Yellowstone National Park, Northeast Gate. It's still very dark. It's 619, and it is five degrees. After those last two wolves were killed in 1926, the National Park Service realized they had made a serious mistake. The passage of the Endangered Species Act in 1973 helped create a legal argument to bring some wolves back into the park to try to restore the original ecosystem. And in 1995, the Park Service began the process of reintroduction They worked with trappers in the southern part of Alberta, Canada. They wanted intact families, functional packs of wolves that already knew each other. In January of 1995, 14 wolves were brought into the park, the first wolves to make their home in Yellowstone in nearly 70 years. Okay, so this man is, I think, a friend of Rick's, He's got binoculars on. He's standing outside of a a Vanguard, an old mobile home. I'm Jeff. I'm Phoebe. Nice to meet you. you. Jeff
2: is from Saskatchewan. Oh, you are? And he used to be a uh, policeman. And he was the um, wrestling champion of Saskatchewan.
0: You were? And are you here looking for wolves? Yes. Do you like wolves? Jeff from Saskatchewan. Told us that he thinks Yellowstone has the best wildlife viewing in the world, and he agreed to loan us some of his spotting equipment, which ended up being incredibly helpful. We were grateful to Jeff. This was our first introduction to the way these wolf watchers in Yellowstone help each other out. We formed a caravan, Rick in the front and Jeff in the back. We drove for about half an hour. Yellowstone is two million acres and typically has 10 wolf packs at a time.
2: So I'm going to get my scope out, and we're going to start to look.
0: So spotting scope is different than just a regular pair of binoculars. It's much stronger.
2: Yeah, this goes up to about 60 magnification. Most binoculars are maybe 10 or 15.
0: This is the morning. The sun is not up yet, but it's coming.
2: That's right. This is what we call first light which is maybe about a half an hour before the official sunrise. So we want to be out here at first light because wolves are active most at this time and then at the corresponding time around sunset. So I'm just going to start scanning east and west. We'll be listening for howling as well.
0: How likely, I mean, how many days do you now still go out and look for wolves? Every day. And how many days out of seven do you see them?
2: Over time, probably about 90 percent.
0: When those 14 wolves were brought into the park from Canada, they were initially placed in acclimation pens because wolves have a homing instinct. If they were let loose right off the bat, Rick says, they'd just head north back to Canada. Each wolf was identified with a number. Rick says, the reintroduction worked brilliantly. He says it's considered the greatest success story in the history of wildlife restoration.
2: Okay, well, no luck so far, so I think we'll pack up in a moment and we'll continue
0: on. Okay. Rick is gonna bring us a hand warmer because I, I can't feel my hand. I uh, brought my Nike running gloves. So it's just my right hand, the knuckles feel pretty numb. We're on the move. Have you ever seen the movie uh, Twister? With Helen Hunt? Yep. Do you think this is kind of like Twister? We're pulling up, there's a lot of cars here. And they're all looking at something. Maybe that's like paparazzi. Yeah, this is wolf paparazzi. Um, Do
2: you hear the howling?
1: Mm -hmm. Howling.
0: Oh, I can... I can see them. Wow.
2: We're going to move again.
0: Okay. (laughs) It really was like paparazzi. The group of people kept getting bigger. We drove from place to place, jumping in and out of cars, and then quickly setting up scopes on tripods. They move fast. Oh, he's gone. How is that old RV going so fast? Okay, we're getting the spotting scopes back out. 7.24, 7.24, the sun is up.
2: Okay, here's uh, several of them. Go ahead. That's a pup born oh. last April.
0: Oh, here they come. There's a gray. Wow, look, there are so many. One, two, three, four. They just keep coming. Mm-hmm, it's like a train all walking in a straight line. One, two. The first two are black. Three, four, five, six, seven. They're all making their way across. Some are rolling around in the snow though. Eight, nine, 10, a gray one. 11, 12, 13, 14, I can't, 15, 15 wolves. Oh, there's more. Wow. After a busy morning of rushing around, we finally found the right spot, and everyone finally stayed still. There were probably 20 people in the group by now. Jeff made hot chocolate for everyone in his Winnebago. It really is a community. A lot of these people have been watching wolves together like this for decades. We were watching what's called the Junction Butte pack. I was amazed how much Rick seemed to know about every single wolf in the pack. He knows a lot about all the wolves in Yellowstone, and the wolves that came before them— because he comes out like this and watches, and takes notes for hours at a time. There's one wolf, in particular, that has fascinated him from the beginning. A small wolf, Wolf 8. Wolf 8 was one of the original 14 brought in during the reintroduction in 1995. He was brought in as a pup, just a few months old and his whole family was put in an acclimation pen about an acre in size. And while they were still in that acclimation pen, park rangers began to notice that one of the wolves was much smaller than his brother's, the rund. He was chased around and teamed up on. He was always the last one to eat. When the pack was released from the acclimation pen, Wolf 8 was about a year old. Everyone monitored this reintroduction very closely. And Rick says that the park rangers were kind of rooting for Wolf 8. He wasn't going to have it easy. And then one day, Rick was observing Wolf 8 out with two of his brothers. They ran behind some trees. And when they reappeared, one of the brothers was carrying an elk calf in its jaws.
2: But right behind them was a grizzly bear chasing them. It was the grizzly bear's elk calf, and the brothers had stolen it from him. And because Eight was the slowest wolf, he was last in line, which meant that the bear was gaining on him. And just as about the bear was to catch up with Eight, he stopped and turned around and confronted the bear. He stood between the bear and his two brothers. And uh, the bear was just several times the size of the little wolf, but the bear didn't know what to make of this guy, and the bear just gave up, just turned around and went the other direction. But I was the only one that saw what Ate did that day. His two brothers had run off with the calf. And when he finally caught up with them, not only did they not know that he had saved them from the bear, but they didn't share the calf with them. That was when I really began to understand that there was way more to Ate than just being the runt of the litter.
0: Rick watched as Ait continued to get beaten up by his brothers, pinned down, his food taken away. And he began to notice that eight was spending more and more time wandering around by himself. Meanwhile, one of the other packs of wolves that had been brought from Canada, the Rose Creek pack, was expecting a litter of pups. The mother was known as Wolf 9, and the father was called Wolf 10. He was enormous,
2: And on the very day that she had her pups, which should have been a time of great celebration in Yellowstone, they would have been the first wolf pups born in Yellowstone in 69 years. On that day, the father wolf was illegally shot and killed. That meant that number nine was a single mother with no help and a litter of eight pups. That's a very large litter. There was virtually no way that she could enable those pups to survive Very young wolf pups have no ability to keep themselves warm to regulate their temperature. So the mother wolf has to be in the den with them so they can cuddle up next to her and absorb her body warmth. If if she was to leave the den for too long, when she got back, they could have died of, of hypothermia she was in an impossible situation. She couldn't really leave the pups. They would likely die if she did. But if she didn't leave them, she would have no food to support her milk production, and they would die of malnutrition. So, normally the Park Service does not intervene in a situation with wild animals. But because a bad guy had killed the father wolf and That family represented 43% of the Yellowstone's wolf population at the time. They decided to make an exception. So they captured the mother and the eight pups. And the plan was to put them back in the Rose Creek Pen, where she had originally gotten pregnant, and keep them in there for six months and then release them. They would be about the age of human children, six, seven years old, something like that, meaning that they still would know nothing of hunting. So the mother wolf would still have plenty of problems, but at least she would have a chance of keeping them alive. If she was a good enough
0: hunter, maybe they could survive. Here's what Rick thinks probably happened next. Wolfate was spending most of his time wandering around alone, trying to get away from his bully brothers. It was easier, being by himself. He'd likely heard the Rose Creek wolf pups howling, and eventually got curious enough to go see what was going on.
2: We think that at one point he came around a turn in the in the ravine and saw something that he had never seen before in his life. He saw the first two pups that had come out of the den in the process of being released. And for him, every day of his life, he was always the smallest wolf. And so he had no conception that there were wolves out there that were smaller than he was. (laughs) So uh, he ran over and befriended those pups. So he played with them, shared some food, and whether he realized it or not, he was being watched by the mother wolf. He wasn't the ideal candidate to be the, her new alpha male. He had a lot of things going against him, including his, his size and his inexperience and youth, but he was acting benevolently to her pups. And essentially, she invited him into her family to be their new alpha male eight essentially adopted and raised those pups like they were his own. So if you came along after, there would be no way that you could tell the difference between him being the adopted father and biological father.
0: So pretty much eight in in the course of a day had gone from being this underappreciated runt of the family to having his own family uh, with a number of children. He could forget about what had happened to him when he was growing up.
2: Yes, it was night and day.
0: Not only had Wolf 8 never seen wolves smaller than him, but the wolf pups he was now raising as his own had never seen an adult male wolf before. They didn't know 8 was small. One of the wolf pups 8 was raising was called Wolf 21. And 21 would grow up to be very big and very strong, even bigger than his biological father, But he learned everything about how to be from eight. Rick says the two were inseparable.
2: They perfected a technique of hunting where they were very successful. They operated as a team, kind of like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. And then they would come back to the den and their mother and the new pups and bring food to them. So Wool's a big male can swallow about 20 pounds. And then when they come home, they can regurgitate that. They bring it up to the pups. They can also carry meat, but it's more efficient to do it internally. When the pups see either 8 or 21 come in, they have an instinct to run over to them, and they will lick their muzzle, and that triggers the regurgitation. And I say that because when a modern dog sees its human friend coming along, the dog wants to lick the face of the of the human, and that's a remnant of that behavior from their wild ancestors. So that's what it really means. They want you to give you 20 pounds of meat that you just had at their restaurant. It wasn't long before 21 grew so big that he was much larger than eight. He was a better hunter. He was faster. He was stronger. But he was always willing to be subordinate to the wolf that raised him.
0: 21 watched Eight defend the pack's territory against the alpha male of another pack, the Druid Wolves. They'd clashed before. The Druid alpha male was called Wolf 38. He was big. And Rick thinks Wolf 38 may have killed Eight's father. When Wolf 38 charged towards Eight and his family, Eight charged right back, uphill, putting himself between his adopted pups and the enemy. Rick doesn't think 8 had ever won a fight before. He didn't think it would end well. He watched the two wolves slam into each other and wrestle on the ground. And then, 38 was down, and 8 was back up, standing over 38, biting him. Rick says 8 could easily have torn out 38's throat and ended the long-standing pack rivalry for good. But 8 didn't do that. He bit 38 a few more times and then stepped back. 38 jumped up with his tail tucked and ran away. Eight went back to his family, including 21, who'd been watching the whole thing.
2: And I guess he understood, well, that's what you do. You use the minimum amount of force to prove your point, to protect and save your family. And then you leave it at that. You don't finish off the guy.
0: When it was time for Twenty-One to leave the family and go out on his own to find a mate, he ended up joining that rival Druid pack. It was a surprise to everyone. Rick says he wonders what Eight thought about it. Twenty-One was entering into a very complicated pack dynamic. There were two sisters, Forty and Forty-Two. Forty was violent and aggressive. She'd forced her mother out of the pack. But Rick says that the other sister, 42, was perfect for 21. He says that from their first meeting, it was obvious that they were ideal for each other. Rick calls them soulmates. But to be with 42, 21 also had to live
2: with 40. 40. Twenty-one was in the middle of this conflict between the two sisters. And male wolves, especially Twenty-one, seemed to have an absolute rule of never doing anything to harm a female. So uh, he would restrain himself even when he saw Forty doing things, that, uh, such as beating up Forty-two. So I think when male pups are young, they just learn this principle that you never harm a female. I think he learned that from his mother.
0: What is the the difference between an alpha male wolf and an alpha female wolf? What two roles do they play?
2: Well, the first difference that comes to mind is one is in charge and the other one isn't. And it used to be thought that the alpha male, just because he looks so big and strong and tough, would be the absolute rule of the, of the wolf pack. But we found here that no, <laughs> he isn't. It's the alpha female that runs the show. And probably the, the clearest example of that, one day the whole family was sleeping in the afternoon, he got up and he wanted to go on a hunt to the east. So he started to go that way and he looked back over his shoulder and everyone had ignored him. Um, No one followed him. So he went back, he slept a little bit more, he tried again. He made eight attempts to get everyone to go with him to the east and no one did. And then after that, when 42 got up and she wanted to go on a hunt to the west, Everyone immediately followed her with 21 last in line, dutifully following the, the true leader of the pack.
0: Rick watched 21 and 42 raise their pups, with 42 teaching them how to swim, how to cross the road. As a father, Rick says 21 was very involved. Rick says he's never seen an alpha male wolf who liked to play as much as 21. He was a loving father, the kind of Father Eight had modeled for him.
2: He would play in such a way that he would pretend to lose wrestling matches with them. So you'd have this huge alpha male initiate a wrestling match with a little tiny pup and as soon as the pup grabbed the fur in one of 21's legs and just pull it the slightest bit 21 would flop over on his back with his paws in, in the air in the defeated position so the little guy had just defeated the heavyweight champion he seemed to really enjoy that and then he would initiate chasing games with the pups he would chase them He would stop, and then he would pretend to be afraid, and he would start running the opposite direction. And, of course, the pup would immediately know what that meant and would chase the alpha male. 21 would deliberately run slowly, and as soon as the pup kind of just had the, the lightest grab on one of 21's hind legs, he would flop over, you know, Pretending to be the, the the prey that the the wolf just caught, I, I think that indicated that he had a sense of humor, and I think the pups really enjoyed seeing him do that.
0: Meanwhile, eight was getting old. He was getting weaker. It was getting more difficult for him to hunt. Rick saw him try to take down an elk, and the elk fought back.
2: One of the defining qualities of eight was that he took his responsibilities very seriously. If you're an alpha male like him, there's two things you got to do. If your family is hungry, you have to do something about it. If your family is threatened, you got to do something about that. doesn't matter how hard, how dangerous it is, doesn't matter what the weather is, you got to do it. That's your job. And eight would always do that. And so he just fought on after being kicked in the head, stomped and finally finished off the elk, But he was so exhausted and probably so injured that he couldn't even eat. So he just laid down, and all the younger wolves came in and, and fed.
0: Support for This Is Love comes from Indeed. Finding someone new can sometimes feel like finding a missing puzzle piece. The right person can complete a team, but the search can take a long time. And sometimes it feels entirely up to chance. Indeed is designed to help you find that perfect match much easier and much faster. Indeed's matching engine learns from your preferences for job candidates and becomes more accurate over time. That means the more you use it, the better it gets. You also don't need to worry about the busy work of hiring. Indeed will help you with scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Listeners to this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash thisislove. Just go to indeed.com slash thisislove right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash thisislove. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed.
1: What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Two years after 21 had left the Rose Creek Pack to join the Druid Pack, tension between the two packs began to build.
2: On this one December day, I was in Lamar Valley, and it just happened that both packs were there at the same time. And they started to howl, and they were aware of each other. The Rose Creek walls were a little bit west of the Druid walls, And the druids started to march with a very determined purpose in that direction with forty out in front.
0: Forty was the violent and aggressive sister of twenty one's mate, forty two. She'd created a lot of chaos in twenty one's life,
2: so she was deliberately leading the pack to confront what to her was this rival pack that she wanted to get rid of violently and
0: were you were you thinking oh no here it comes
2: yes at that time i expected that sooner or later the two packs were going to have it out and we were lucky that it hadn't happened yet or at least the, the wolves had been lucky it hadn't happened yet but it looks like this was going to be it the issue was that 21 was leading his family now as they were getting closer toward the opposing force and an out in front of those walls was 8.
0: 21 was going to have to fight the wolf who had raised him. And 8 was going to have to go through with it. Even though there was no way he could win. He was old and tired. He was missing most of his teeth.
2: It looked like they were gonna have to fight it out. That's the job of an alpha male, to be the prime defender of your family. So uh, there was no way that eight could win, no way that 21 could lose a a fight to a, a wolf that old and that injured. So it was an impossible situation. There was no way out of this for 21. And what happened in the next moment was genius, what 21 did. It was like two knights charging each other on stallions with their lances, about to kill each other, these two alpha males. And at the last second, as they were about to smash into each other, 21 ran past 8. He ran past him like he was afraid. And because all the other members of his family, even 40, I think assumed, well, he ran past him because he didn't want to fight this other guy. They ran past eight as well. No one touched them, so the two families just ran past each other like on the interstate, and they both went back to their respective territories.
0: Had you ever seen a two packs come at each other where no one was harmed before?
2: No, I've never seen that before or since.
0: So, do you think that twenty-one was thinking, "I have to make a show of this. I have to, I have to go as fast and hard as I can, but I, I can't hurt eight, and I'm going to make it look." As real as I can, but I can't hurt him.
2: I kind of hesitate to try to to speculate what was actually happening, but I, I think for me the bottom line was his respect for eight. That, however you want to explain it, he did not want to harm eight, and um, he he could have easily killed eight. Yes, there's no question. There, there was no way that eight could have won that fight. No way. So I think it was based on respect.
0: That was the only fight 21 ever lost, before or after. Once, he single-handedly fought six wolves at the same time, and won. But what's really fascinating, Rick says, is that 21 never killed another wolf. Five months after the fight between 8 and 21, 8 died. He died hunting. Rick says it was an honorable ending. 21 and 42 went on to have a long life together.
2: They had grown old together. They started to look um, like each other very much. They both lived to be about nine years old, which is very, very old. And he never was really the same after her death. He only lived on for about four more months, and that was it. It was like he just didn't want to go on.
0: Today... Rick keeps tabs on the generations of wolves descended from 8 and 21. And he thinks about those two all the time.
2: We all have to deal with difficult situations, sometimes with difficult people, sometimes with aggressive people. Do you respond aggressively to aggression? Um, If someone is mean and thoughtless, do you respond the same way, or do you turn the tables on them and uh, respond in in the opposite way. So I, I try to do that whenever I can. Not always successful, but what would Ape do? What would 21 do? What would 42 do?
0: Talking about it later, we realized how strange it is to think that these wolves, the wolves Rick watches every day, that he's trained his sleep schedule around, don't know anything about Rick. They likely don't even know he exists. They have no idea there's a man two miles away watching them and making his notes, chronicling the intricacies of their lives for us. This Is Love is created by Lauren Spore and me. Nadia Wilson is our senior producer. Susanna Robertson is our assistant producer. Audio mix by Johnny Vince Evans and Rob Byers. Julian Alexander makes original illustrations for each episode. Check them out by following us on Instagram at thisisloveshow. We've also got photos of Rick and Wolf 8, and even a video of that moose slowly wandering by our truck. You can learn more about the wolves of Yellowstone in Rick McIntyre's book, Wolf 8, witnessing the triumph of Yellowstone's underdog. He's working on two more books. He said they'll be out soon. This Is Love is recorded in the studios of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. We're a proud member of Radiotopia from PRX, a collection of the best podcasts around. This whole season of This Is Love is about animals. We'll be back with another story very soon. I'm Phoebe Judge, and this is Love. Radiotopia.
1: You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Why do you run? Why does anyone? I always thought that runners loved running and that's not the case. Most runners hate running. <laughs> but they choose to do it.